The Writer Files, a member of the Podglomerate Network. I want to mention a great resource for writers, and this month's sponsor, Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, a DIY manual for the construction of stories. I'll expound later in the show, but the short version is this long-awaited book about the craft of creative writing from New York Times bestselling author Steve Almond sets out to debunk the well-meaning but misguided myths that hold us back from writing our deepest and most honest work. Pick up a copy today of Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, wherever you buy books, more soon. Greetings, scribes. I have got some exciting news to share. The Writer Files now has an exclusive Patreon community where subscribers will get exclusive access to uncut ad-free interviews, a writer's happy hour, bonus breakdowns, and content from productivity and publishing experts each month. In the meantime, just head over to patreon.com slash thewriterfiles. It's free to join Patreon to get a preview and you can upgrade anytime. That's patreon.com slash thewriterfiles. Help us start something special. I was almost, I was 35, maybe 34, 35, when I finally one day sat down and wrote a sentence that I really liked. And I said, wow, that's a really good sentence. Maybe I could be a writer. And I just started writing. And that was kind of a clear path from there. I just, I wrote and I wrote and I wrote and I wrote. Uh, And by the time I was 38, I had uh, written Devil in a Blue Dress. I had given it to, you know, uh, the publisher, W.W. Norton. And um, that was it. I got published. I, I had all of a sudden I had a career that I never really thought would happen. Greetings, scribes, and welcome back to the Writer Files. I am still your humble host, Kelton Reed, wishing you prolificness, prosperity, and peace of mind per usual. Celebrated author Walter Mosley took a time out to chat with me about how he didn't write a sentence he liked until age 35, the sprawling muse of Los Angeles, and his conflicted feelings after winning a big National Book Award. Walter is the first black man to receive the National Book Foundation's Medal for Distinguished Contribution to American Letters for Lifetime Achievement in Writing. The critically acclaimed author, playwright, screenwriter, and producer has written over 60 books, including fiction, writing guides, memoir, a YA novel, has won dozens of prestigious awards, including an Emmy, and been translated into 25 languages. His best-selling historical mysteries feature infamous hard-boiled detective Easy Rollins, a black P.I. living in the Watts neighborhood of L.A. Blood Grove, the 15th in that series, is his latest and described as a novel of vast scope and intimate insight and a soulful call for justice by any means necessary. Walter's work has been adapted for film and TV, including Devil in a Blue Dress, starring Denzel Washington, and the HBO production of Always Outnumbered, starring Lawrence Fishburne. In this file, Walter and I discussed his winding career path, how the apex of post-hippie Los Angeles, California affected his writing, what it was like to work with the late Oscar-nominated filmmaker John Singleton, and why you need to read your drafts out loud. And at the break, I've got a podcast preview from this week's sponsor, Look Closer, found fiction podcast you can learn more about that fantastic show at foundfiction.org stay calm and write on and if you're a fan of the writer files please click subscribe to automatically see new interviews as soon as they're published and leave us a rating or a review on apple podcasts 
to help other writers find us. All right, we're rolling on the Writer Files once again. I am honored and privileged today to be joined by a very special guest. I've got author Walter Mosley. How are you surviving today, sir? Oh, everything is great. You know, I, I, I find, you know, the whole thing about the pandemic is that I work harder than when there wasn't one. <laughs> I don't even know why that's true, but, you know. <laughs> well, we appreciate your time and uh, understand you're a, a very busy gentleman, a pandemic yeah. or not. But um, yeah, we were talking a little bit in the green room, but um, you're out in Los Angeles once again. I am. I've been here, you know, for the past 10, 10, 12 months now. But, you know, I'm in Santa Monica. I'm down by the water. It's nice. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, um, I know LA has been hit pretty hard by the pandemic and we're all kind of reeling from, from everything. But uh, hey, we're here. We're in 2021 and we get to pick your brain about all things writing in this fantastic latest installment, Blood Grove. But yeah, I want to, um, you know, uh, typically do a pretty extensive bio of the authors in the intro, but I want to kind of go back to your superhero origin story a little bit and kind of talk about your relationship with that that beautiful city of Los Angeles and um, this kind of uh, sprawling legacy of, of literature that uh, explores it. But yeah, let's... Uh, Talk a little bit about, you know, kind of the early days of Walter Mosley's career and, and kind of where you are today. My career, you mean as a writer or as just as a person in, in life in the world? Yeah, e- either, man. You know, I know every writer has kind of this very interesting winding path to um, success and it's never, an, it's never an overnight success and a lot of different things kind of define you as a, as a human being. And, and you, know, you know, it's probably as, as fascinating to you as it is to us, kind of how you how you got there. So, uh, yeah. Well, you know, it, I mean, it's interesting. I mean, I, w- I was born here in Los Angeles and I went to, um, you know, a elementary school, a, a private, uh, like a, a Baptist elementary school in, in South Central. And then I, I moved over toward Western LA and went to junior public junior high school and high school. And I don't know, I, 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 I got out of high school in like 1970. So it was like, you know, the, the apex of the, the, the post hippie, movement, whatever that was. Yeah. And ended up going to college in Vermont. And I've been I stayed, I was pretty much on the East Coast ever since then, 1973, uh, 72, 73. You know, I and I was just doing things. You know, I I became a computer programmer. Who, who knows why? Uh I, <laughs> you know, other, other than to make money, I uh, you know, lived in 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 Vermont and then in Boston, uh in western Massachusetts. Um and finally, I moved to New York, and I've been in New York, I don't know, 35 years, more, something yeah. like that. Yeah. Um, I was there for a long time. I was, I was almost, I was 35, maybe 34, 35, when I finally one day sat down and wrote a sentence that I really liked. And I said, wow, that's a really good sentence. Maybe I could be a writer. And I just started writing. And that was kind of a clear path from there. I just, I wrote and I wrote and I wrote and I wrote. Uh, and by the time I was 38, I had uh, written Devil in a Blue Dress. I had given it to, you know, uh, the publisher, W.W. Norton. And um, that was it. I got published. I, I had, all of a sudden I had a career that I never really thought would happen. Hmm. Yeah. Well, since then, um, you've yeah. written a, a few other books, 60 critically <laughs> acclaimed books, and and you've written 
a wide range of genres, of course. Um, you've even done some playwriting and, and now you're working in Hollywood. I think what's, what's especially fascinating about the story to me is now that most more recently you're in an easy Rollins, uh, series has been picked up again, right. As, mm-hmm. um, and is being adapted into a TV series. And this is not the first time this has happened to you, right? Well, yes, I think there must be six or seven times that I've, I've tried to make a television series out of Easy Rollins. Uh, it's just a hard thing to do. You know, you, you, you sell, sell it to somebody and, and they say, oh, this is great. We're going to do it. It's going to be perfect. Da, da, da. And then they said, well, um, you know, listen, it, it's a little bit uh, too long ago. And, it, and maybe it talks a little bit too much about race and uh, could we, uh, you know, kind of modernize it and, you know, have them do just regular solving of crimes? And, yeah. and I would go, no, can't do that, <laughs> you know, or, or somebody else might be writing and they try. But of course, it doesn't work because easy yeah. Rollins doesn't work in the contemporary world. And, um, you know, so, you know, hopefully the people at Amblin understand what I'm trying to do. And, and you know, we work it out. Yeah, that's great news. And then, of course, you had the pretty fantastic opportunity to get tapped by a truly, truly amazing filmmaker, John Singleton, to work on the late John Singleton, I'm sorry, um, about mm-hmm. his passing. And that was a really, really sad news. But um, you are still working on that uh, series Snowfall to this day. Is that correct? Yep. I still am. I think we're entering the fifth season. I've, yeah. been, I've been doing it for a long time. And, you know, and, and it's fun. It was great to be with John. I'm, you know, I miss John. He did live a great life, though, and he was a great man. So, yeah, yeah, be happy about him. Well, talk a little bit about that relationship because, um, of course, the Easy Rollins, you know, series from a historical standpoint covers one very, very transitional time in LA's history, and then, of course, the Snowfall um, covers another period. Yeah, kind of talk about how you two kind of shared ideas about this, and then how ultimately you became a TV producer because. That was not a credit that you had had, or at least, you know, you weren't, you weren't, you would, you had told John, I think that when he first tapped you to come on that, that, uh, you know, it wasn't something you'd done before. Right. Yeah. Listen, I, I had never done, you know, uh, serious television before. And so, I mean, John, John asked me to do it. And I said, John, I don't, I don't know how to do it. And he said, that doesn't matter. You could be a, uh, an advisor. You'd be an advisor. You don't have to write anything. You just come in the room. I just want somebody to back me up in there basically is what he said. And I went, okay, you know, and I came and I, you know, you know, one, it was like a first time was a five week thing. And the next season, it was maybe 10 or 12. And then the next season, a little bit more, you know, it was just, it was growing, yeah. you know, and, you know, now I'm an executive producer, which is great. Um, and, you know, and I'm, I, I write episodes one or two, you know, each, each year. And, you know, it's a lot of fun. I really enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah. I really enjoyed it. And I had a lot of fun with John. He's, he's you know, he's, well, like I say, he's a great guy. Yeah, incredible. Really, incredible. really committed to what he was trying to say and, and do in the world and, and very successful at it. But I do want to get into Bloodgrove um, here momentarily. I just wanted to share that um, one of my favorite um, literary anthologies is called Writing Los Angeles. And it's part of the reason mm-hmm. I kind of wanted to talk about well, just Los Angeles as a, I don't know, a character uh, as a muse, maybe as this cruel mistress that, um, you know, obviously you've explored and delved into. Um, but yeah, I wanted to talk a little bit about LA and then of course, kind of maybe the, I don't know, the 
somewhere in the diagram of your influences, you know, from Raymond Chandler to Chester Himes to Walter Mosley, you know, um, three, three great writers in writing Los Angeles. Um, talk a little bit about, you know, I don't know, just kind of the city as, as muse and maybe some of your influences. I mean, the, city's, the city of Los Angeles is so interesting. You know, most cities, like for instance, New York, where, you know, where I live now when I'm not here in the pandemic, New York pretty much always has the same population. Last century, it's somewhere between seven and eight million people live there, you know, almost continually. You know, I mean, they're different people. Um, a lot of people move in, a lot of people move out, but, but the city doesn't grow in size. So the, the definition of the city stays pretty much the same. Los Angeles has grown 100,000 people in population every year since 1946. Wow. Uh, and so from, you know, from a sleepy little town to a sprawling metropolis, you know, that just keeps on growing and, and, and moving out, you know, it's, it's a place that's never the same. Uh, the addresses aren't the same. The parts of the city aren't the same. <laughs> you'd be driving around, uh, you know, out in the valley and you'll be talking to someone. I said, you know, weren't there orange groves here at one point? Uh-huh. And they go, yeah, yeah. Now it's just a whole bunch of, you know, concrete bungalows. I, you know, what happened? You know, and, and, and that's so when you're writing about Los Angeles, you're writing about change. Uh, you're, you're writing about, you know, a, a, you know, it's not just simple cultural change. It's actually like the people, the people change, the area changes. Uh, it's uh, it's not it's not in any way the same city that it was 10 years ago or 10 years before that or 10 years before that. Uh, so, so one of the things about writing about it is it, you you're always writing about uh places and people in transition. And, and that's what's so great about writing about Easy Rollins. I mean, the first book I, I, well, the first mystery I wrote about him is, is uh, 1948. Mm-hmm. The most recent one is 1969. It's yeah. not the same place at all. Easy's not the same person at all. Uh, it's a completely like different thing. And when I write about it the next time in 71 or something like that, it's going to be different again. For sure. It's, it's really amazing. It is truly amazing. Earlier in the show, I mentioned an invaluable resource for writers. Truth is the arrow, mercy is the bow, a DIY manual for the construction of stories based on three decades of writing, failing, and trying again. Author Steve Almond is a beloved professor at Harvard and Wesleyan and the acclaimed New York Times bestseller of 12 books of fiction and nonfiction. And in Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, Steve employs the radical empathy he displayed as a co-host of the Dear Sugars podcast with Cheryl Strayed, where they explored the joys and trials of storytelling to explode myths that hold us back from writing our deepest and truest work. The book includes chapters on plot, character, and chronology, but travels far beyond the earnest intentions of most craft books. It also includes writing prompts to generate new work. Pulitzer Prize-winning author Richard Russo called it one of the best books on writing he's ever read, and also the funniest. Pick up a copy of Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, a DIY manual for the construction of stories wherever you buy books and add it to your TBR today. And just a quick aside to revisit the exclusive Writer Files Patreon community where subscribers get access to uncut ad-free interviews, a writer's happy hour, bonus breakdowns, and a lot more. I know that for serious writers, it can be more distracting than ever to cut through the noise, stay productive, and home in on what's happening in the publishing industry. Over eight years, we've provided a looking glass into the habits of professional writers and publishing industry insiders, 
And as your humble host, I've decided to launch a membership-based Patreon for serious scribes to cut through the noise, swap tips and tricks, and hang out with like-minded peers. Just head over to patreon.com slash thewriterfiles for bonus writing resources, monthly episode breakdowns, writer's happy hour, a community of your peers, ad-free episodes, and more. It's free to join to get a preview, and you can upgrade anytime. That's patreon.com slash thewriterfiles. Help us start something cool and special. Keep calm and write on. Creative ideas are waiting to be found all around us. Whether they're in the form of an old lady waiting alone at a bus stop. If she hadn't gasped, well, we wouldn't have stopped. Raindrops racing each other down a window. And it's like pieces of a puzzle. Wow. Or a tree growing through a barbed wire fence. I might take the same with me, actually. <laughs> Uncover the creative processes of writers, poets and artists. I'm really driven by ideas. Quite a lot of my stuff does work around reflection. Learn more about them as human beings. I can tell them I want to be a superstar, a world-class artist, and they don't laugh at you. And get expert advice on how to become an artist yourself. Why does a story have to be one kind of long story so you it into chapters? You've got to aim for the top. Be empowered with the vision to find inspiration in everyday places. Listen to Look Closer, the Found Fiction podcast. This is such a good practice. We should all be doing this. How do you feel about the city right now? Just kind of as it is, um, you know, I mean, pre-pandemic, obviously, but how, do you feel like it's, in a, <laughs> feel like LA is in a good place? You know, I mean, following what I just said, like if you ask me that about San Francisco, I could answer. If you ask me about New York, I could answer. If you ask me about Chicago, uh, Boulder, Colorado, uh, <laughs> New Orleans, I could answer about those places. But L.A., it's uh, just too big and unwieldy for me to say, how yeah. do you feel about L.A.? Only thing I can say about L- uh, L.A. right now is, you know, my, I'm, I'm enjoying my life here, you know, <laughs> yeah. and it, it's really beautiful and it's really fun and, and uh engaging but this the place is so big and and not i mean like new york is big but you can pretty much travel through all of new york on the subway right uh la is so giant you know there's parts of of la that are 30 miles from where i'm standing right now and how do i get how do i get there how do i figure it out how do i you know right it's 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 really and and it's a little hidden it's not obvious it's not an obvious city um what's going on what people are doing it's really hard to tell Absolutely. So I like my life in Los Angeles. Um, well, let's talk about the latest Blood Grove and and, go, and obviously going back in time. So t- talk a little bit about, I mean, it's described as a novel of vast scope and, and intimate insight and <laughs> a soulful call for justice by any means necessary, which is uh, obviously um, themes that you've covered extensively. Mm-hmm. But talk about what it means to go back to this particular time in history and then kind of, yeah, some of the, you know, maybe the unique research that goes into this because these are characters obviously that, that are recurring, um, throughout the, the series, but what, what makes, what makes Blood Grove unique in its, uh, particular milieu? Well, yeah, I don't know if it's unique or not. However, I mean, of course, a lot of things are going on in this book. As, as whenever you come to a, a noir novel, it, 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 there's a, a lot of different people and places and things and influences. You know, there's the the hippie movement. Of course, there's the the police. Uh, there's international uh, business. 
there's there's um, there's a war going on in Vietnam. But what Easy is drawn into is there's a a, a veteran. Uh, you know, it's like 21. He's got he's, he just got out of Vietnam. He's kind of shell shocked, but also he's been in a fight and he has big bruise upside his head. And he's a white guy, and he, he comes to Easy. He says, "I heard about you, and I heard that you're pretty honest. And look, I I was in the, I was in uh, by the by in Orange Grove uh, over in the valley, and I, I went out there in the grove, and uh, I, I I heard a woman screaming, and it was a, a black man attacking this uh, a white woman. I got into a fight with the guy. He had a knife. We fought and fought, and finally we fell, and he got stabbed." And then somebody hit me in the head and knocked me out. So when I woke up, there's nobody there, just me. And I'm wondering um, what happened. And I want you to find out what happened, who, who those people were, what happened, did, did I kill that guy, whatever. And Easy takes on the case. He knows he shouldn't, but he, ha- he identifies with veterans, with people, any people who've lived through a war. Yeah. And so he's he's... He's following this crime down, but it gets really, you know, convoluted. Uh, there's, you know, the mob is involved with it. Uh, uh, a heist team is involved with it. Uh, uh, all of his friends, you know, from Christmas Black to Jackson Blue to Raymond Alexander are, are involved in it. And, you know, after a while, he's just trying to keep his head above water because he might die in any minute the, the way he's been involved. And in and, and, and writing about that, in writing about identity, like here's a black man's identity, he's definitely a black man in America, but he's also somebody, a Californian who came from Texas, originally from Louisiana, uh, who speaks French, who, who fought in World War II, who's a veteran. And it, it's an interesting way to start to look at identity without saying, well, this is, a, you know, it's a black identity. Well, certainly he's a black man, he has that identity. But there's a lot of other things going on. And it was a, it gave me a, a chance to, to write about, you know, all those different places going on, you know, from the hippies you know, to the to the veterans, to the police, et cetera. Yeah. Inroads into this fascinating, sprawling latest. Uh, congrats on the work. And obviously, um, it's a pretty amazing legacy, don't you think? Um, w- when you kind of look at, when you look back kind of on, on all, you know, you're a prolific writer who's, who's um, been at it for quite a while. I know you kind of, you seem very uh, modest about the work and about, you know, just kind of chipping away at it every day. Mm-hmm. Talk a little bit about kind of the energy that's required to, to maintain, a, a, you know, that kind of the love of keeping something going for that long. Well, you know, I mean, of course, I've written a lot of books. I, I mean, I've written about, you know, about maybe 45% of my books have been mysteries. But then the rest of my books, you know, literary novels, short stories, science fiction, you know, all kinds of stuff uh, that, that I've written. I, the thing I love the most is writing. And so when I, you know, when I wake up in the morning, uh, all other things, you know, being equal, I sit down and I write for three hours, write every day. Right every day, right every day, you know, and 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 that's a and that I don't think takes a lot of energy. I mean, a lot of the work I'm doing now, like a lot of Hollywood stuff and working on uh, on on scripts and you know for series and you know, people are coming to you. Did, we, did you do that? We can't do this. Well, blah blah blah. You know, I'm going. Okay, all right. So change this, move that, move this. Uh, uh, but I like this. I say, yeah, it's good, but we can't shoot it because the whatever. And you and you're going. Okay, I'll change that now. You know, I'm I'm working all that. That's actually incredibly exhausting. <laughs> um, 
But writing on a novel, if, if, if I have nothing else to do and I just wake up every day and work three hours on a novel, I'm going to write two or three books that year and, and I'm going to have a great time doing it. Huh. You know, it's just, it's just fun to write. Yeah, I get that from you. And, and you know, it does, you do come off as a writer's writer, but also very um, down to earth and, and just kind of uh, salt of the earth, I guess, is, is how I might describe you, but I might be wrong. Yeah, who knows? I don't know. <laughs> okay. Well, Bloodgrove, of course, a master of crafted narrative, Walter Mosley returns with the crowning achievement in the Easy Rolling Saga, in which the iconic detective's loyalties are tested on the sun-soaked streets of Southern California. <laughs> yeah, I wanted to say, you know, congrats on the National Book Foundation Medal for Distinguished Contribution to American Letters. That's a um, fantastic honor. How did you feel to, to get that one? Well, you know, I had, I had uh, you know, very conflicting feelings about getting that award. I mean, one, I, just, I loved getting it. I thought it was really great and beautiful and wonderful. Uh, but on the other hand, I was, I'm the first black man ever to get that award. Yeah. And, you know, there are other people. There's Ralph Ellison and Amiri Baraka and Ishmael Reed. And I, there are a lot of people who I know deserve that award just as well. And it would have been nice if a couple of them had gotten it before me. So that was, that's something just to say, because, you know, you don't want to, you know, sit in there. So I want to thank my mother and my babysitter. And, you know, I do want to thank them. But first, I have to pay attention to the, this. This is a moment where things might be changing and they might not be changed. You know? Yeah. Well, uh, as we kind of... Uh look to a sign off here before you before we uh leave your fellow scribes with some some wisdom on just how to keep their chins up during this challenging time um i got a fun one for you if you could have dinner with any uh author from any era um all expenses paid to your favorite spot in the world who would you take and where would you take them wow what what a what a hard question <laughs> that would be you know, I, I, I suppose, well, I'm going to give you an answer. This soul is way out in left field, but I would love to have uh, a, a meal with Roger Zelazny. Hmm. Zelazny is a science fiction writer. Yeah. One of the best. Absolutely. Word-wise, ever. And his sense of humor and his ability to write and, 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 and the subjects that he covers, I was always really interested in Sure. And, I think I would, I think I'd have dinner with him. Where would you take him? Hmm. It's on me. Uh, well, <laughs> I, if, I'm in LA, so I would take him to Vespertine. Oh. It's a great restaurant. I have heard of it, but I've never been myself. Yeah. yeah. It has two Michelin stars. I don't know if I could pay for it, but I would definitely take him there. <laughs> <laughs> um, small, interesting tidbit. My father actually met Rogers Elasny, um, and my father's he passed 20 years ago, but he met, he must've met Zelazny 30 years ago. Mm -hmm. um, and, and always recalled it very fondly. He, thought, he said he was just a fascinating guy. I think they were sitting across from each other at a coffee shop or something like that. And, yeah, he's, and, brilliant. he's a brilliant man. He's a brilliant writer. You yeah. know, there's a lot, of, I mean, there are writers that I've met that I, you know, I, I, you know, I've had dinner with. So, but you know, but Zelazny, I think, I think Zelazny's the guy. Yeah. 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 Um, I'm trying to think of his, he had a famous series the amber series yeah the amber series it was like uh death rides a pale horse or something like that yeah i mean that was a 
no. just Nine Princes in Amber. That's what it was, Nine Princes in Amber. Yep. That was the first one. The first three are excellent. It's just wonderful. After a while, he wrote like 10. And I think he was trying to make money. The next seven, I'm not, you know, they're okay. I read them, but you know, they're, not, <laughs> they're not his best. Not like Lord of Light or, yeah. I mean, he, he wrote some really extraordinary books. Yeah, truly. Um, yeah. Well, cool shout out there. Um, yeah, of course, I will point at your home base there. And um, WalterMosley.com. Is there anywhere else we want to point listeners before we, before we I, sign I, I off? I think I'm also on Facebook somewhere, probably Walter Mosley, yep. the same way there. And uh, you know, those are the two places I am mostly. Definitely. You know, not, I don't have a big footprint in the uh, virtual world. Well, um, we appreciate your time, your wisdom. Is there anything you want to leave um, your fellow scribes with on just kind of how to, how to keep going? Well, you know, I, I'll, just, I'll just say this. If you're working on books, and the most important thing is to write every day, but there's another thing. If you're writing and writing and writing and, and you're getting a little lost in whatever it is you're writing, be it a poem, a short story, or a novel, it's always it's always a, a good good thing to take stop a minute and then read the whole book out loud into a recording device. Mm. Just the reading of it is going to change the way you feel about all the language, all the descriptions, all that stuff, uh, all the repetition. And and then when you hear it, it's going to have even more of an effect. So every once in a while, while you're working on something, read it out loud into a recording device, and you will be surprised at how deeply it impacts you. I like that a lot. And I have heard that trick before, so we'll definitely reemphasize that one. We do really appreciate your time. You know, you're a colleague. Christopher, uh, Professor Christopher Chambers was on here and, and um, mm-hmm. had a lot of um, very nice things to say about his, your influences on him. And um, well, that's nice. That was, I thought that Thank was you. pretty special. And yeah. S.A. Cosby was on recently also and said the same thing. And you, you've uh, graced us with your presence. So we appreciate you popping on here to wrap with us for a few minutes. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. And I hope we get to talk again soon. Absolutely. I'd love to have you back. So anytime. Thanks so much for joining us for this episode of The Writer Files. And if you enjoy the podcast, please subscribe to the show and leave us a rating or a review to help other writers out there find us. You can always leave a comment or a question and visit the entire archives at writerfiles.fm. And you can chat with me on Twitter at Kelton Reed. Cheers. Talk to you next week.